Good to be with you this morning. Good to see everyone. Beautiful Lord's Day it is. There been some things we've been talking about last Sunday morning that I want to carry over a little bit to uh, this morning. Uh, and so we'll um, see what we can do with that. We want to talk this morning about Saul. And you cannot talk about Saul unless you also transition to him being called Paul. So that's going to be our study tonight. As you can tell, that's a picture of some rendition of him, or not a rendition, some picture of him maybe on the road to Damascus. So I just want to look at him. I want to look at him. Um, I want to just show you how bad a guy he is. And I'm, if I, unless I just missed one and forgot one, I'm going to show you every verse where it talks about him persecuting the church. And then we'll go from there. So we're introduced to Paul, Saul, in Acts chapter 7, verses 58 and 59, talking about Stephen. And it says, And they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at, a, at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen, and he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So here is Saul present when Stephen is on trial. And when they're getting ready to stone him, they put their clothes at his feet, the Saul, at his feet. And um, there's Stephen, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. It's interesting. In Acts chapter 18 and verse 3, we know that Saul, Paul, was a tent maker by trade. His father uh, had him taught uh, in the Jewish rabbi uh, by a Jewish leader and uh, but he also taught him a trade and he was a tent maker by that trade in Paul's Saul's background in uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 5 it says he circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee so he's giving his credentials, if you, as it were, about being a Hebrew, uh, about being a Jew. He's uh, circumcised the eighth day, just like the law said he was supposed to be, of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a respected tribe in, uh, of the Jews. A Hebrew of the Hebrews, he would have received all the benefits, if you will, or the advantages of being Jewish and concerning the law of Pharisee. And we know something about the Pharisees, how strictly they say they followed the law. He learned the Greek language and customs. <clears throat> he was from Tarsus. He's descended from ancestors whose desire was to serve God. That's what they wanted to do. Serve God above everything else. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. So he, he's, uh, he's convinced that his forefathers served God with a pure conscience, just as though, just as Stephen or Saul did himself. In Acts chapter 23, 
in verse 6. But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Concerning the hope uh, and the resurrection from the dead, I am being judged. So, his ancestors' desire was to serve God. His forefathers served God with a pure conscience. He was a Pharisee, observing in their eyes, the strictest sect of the law. And so there he is. There is there's Saul doing his best to serve God. In Acts chapter 22, verse 3, it says, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strict, strictness of, of our father's law and was zealous toward God as you <clears throat> as you all are today. So he's brought up at the feet of Gamaliel, a doctor of Jewish law, who was held in great esteem by all the Jews. They all knew who Gamaliel was. So this is good learning that he got. Saul. I mean, he got it. He got the best. He got the best like uh, Moses did in his day, learning from the, all the Things about Egypt. Saul got it from for being a Jew. Taught at the feet of Gamaliel. And in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 14, it says, And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of my fathers. So he was, he was going places. He was going to be somebody. He's on the road to success. He's exceedingly more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of the fathers. That zeal. We, we know about his life and, and how he lived it. We know of his enthusiasm and how eagerly he devoted, he was devoted to serving God, how passionate he was in his commitment to God. We would call that today a fanatic. We're a fan of a of a football team. You're a, that's short for fanatic. You love that football. He loved the Lord. There isn't any doubt about that. In Philippians 3 verse 6. Concerning the zeal. Persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law. Blameless. He was so zealous. That it was his duty. As a good Jew. And a good Pharisee. To persecute the church. That's what he did. That's what his obligation was in serving God in the, in the law. Saul was probably not at the crucifixion of Jesus and the trial of Jesus. I had stated some, some time back, some weeks ago, that he might he very well have been there at that time. But he was probably finished school and away. But he is... Well, let's look at Acts chapter 6 and verse 9. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. Saul is probably one of those. He is probably there because we know they laid their feet at his clothes. He was almost certainly to have been there when he disputed with Stephen. And it's interesting that when Stephen was talking, 
They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Here is Saul disputing with, with Stephen, probably one of them, and he couldn't, he couldn't counter what Stephen was saying. Stephen was speaking with the assistance of the Holy Spirit. But Saul was there. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution rose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So Saul consented to his death. In Acts chapter 26, in verse 10, This I did also in Jerusalem, and many of the saints... I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. What does that mean? I consented to his death. I cast my vote against them. Was he a member of the Sanhedrin, you think? That's a possibility. Or at least some function in there. He had a say-so. I consented to their death. I cast my vote against him. I don't know if we think about how... uh, as I told you, he he was going places. He was a man of some integrity in serving God. Well, at that point, as the way he understood it. So he was very likely a member of the Sanhedrin. Although he never, it's never mentioned in scripture, but it's a good possibility. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Dedication. Is he a hypocrite? Nope. Not at all. Looking back, he's a bad guy. He's he's bad. Then Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus. So that if he found any way, any who were uh, of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. They must have had some understanding. This is all part of the Roman Empire. There must have been some understanding about some allowance of extradition from one, the religious leaders from one city to another. Uh, It must have been. Um, So he's breathing threats. And murder against the disciples of the Lord. He got letters from the high priest to go to Damascus. And if he found any who were of the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now think of that. In Acts 26 verses 9 through 11, talking back to it. Paul says, I, indeed, I myself thought I must, do, I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. 
This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. I thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I did in Jerusalem, starting in Jerusalem. And many of those saints there, I shut shut them up in prison, and many were put to death. Cast my vote against them. I punished them often in every synagogue. They were still able to go to the synagogues at that time. And compel them to blaspheme. What does he mean? He compelled them to blaspheme. What does that mean? Is it just a word? No, it's no. It's pretty serious. It means to to speech defa- speak defamatory toward the divine majesty. Speech irreverently speak about God to speak evil of God. I punished them often in every city and compelled them to blaspheme. Christians, early Christians, he compelled them to speak evil of God. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them into far, even to foreign cities. He was exceedingly enraged to, the, to be infuriated. To be insanely angry. We don't think of him being insane, but he, it's the point of, of gritting your teeth when you're doing, I'm, I'm going to get you. That's what he set out to do. That's what he was going to do, and he pursued it. It wasn't a passing passion. He did it and kept on doing it. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 13 He says, for you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. I persecuted the church of God beyond measure. I did what other people didn't do, it sounds like. He says he was exceedingly zealous. He tried to destroy the church. In Acts 22, verses 4 and 5. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, and also the high priest bears, as also the high priest bears me witness, and all the counsel of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. I'd say he was busy, wouldn't you? He was busy doing what was right. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Formerly a blasphemer. He spoke evil about God because he was trying to kill those and do away with those who were serving God in a different fashion than what he had been brought up to teach. 
And he was an insolent man. He was insolent. One who insults in an arrogant manner, uplifted with pride. That's what that word means. And I hadn't really thought about it. We don't think of Saul, Paul, particular, <clears throat> excuse me, particularly being full of pride. When you read, you read how little he thought of himself when he, when he was changed. In Acts 22 and verse 19, so I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe in you. We'll get to more of that in a little while. But he imprisoned and beat those who believe in him. That's about it. That's about it on what he did uh, persecuting the church. I would like for you to open your New Testaments. And let's look at Acts chapter 9 going to look at we'll probably spend the rest of this hour in there and I've got also the next hour and um, we'll continue alright Acts chapter 9 let's read the first 9 verses then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if, if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the, prick, the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one, but they led him by hand, by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So he's on the way to persecute you're and my brethren in Damascus. And he sees a light and he's, he's at, why are you persecuting me? I don't even know who you are. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And so he, he tells him, you arise and go to the city and you'll be told what you must do. And so Saul arose, and he can't see. He, can, he opened his eyes, but he couldn't. And so he's led into Damascus. And he's three days without sight. He didn't eat or drink. And verse 11 tells us he was praying. That's what he was doing. So, well, never mind. Let's turn to Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19. 10 through 19. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many 
I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name among Gentile kings, Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my, for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, and entering the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. So Ananias has a vision. You get up and you go to the street called Straight and you, and you find Saul of Tarsus. I've heard of this man. I've heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Do you detect some reluctance? I certainly do. Some reluctance to go... This is risky. Knowing who Saul is, this is risky. But God says, you go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. We don't talk like that today. He's a vessel of mine. What's he saying? I'm going to use him. You go see him. You go see him. Verse 15, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias goes and lays his hands on him and he receives his sight. Paul is telling this some, <clears throat> some years later. In Acts 22, verse 16, he says, And now why are you waiting? Ananias told him, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Why are you waiting? The Lord that appeared to you on the road to Damascus appeared to me here in Damascus and told me to come see you so that you can receive your sight, so that you can be also filled with the Holy Spirit. Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. He's telling us again in Acts 26 and verse 19, he said, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I did everything I was told to do. Did he do everything... Scripturally right as a Jew persecuting the church. As far as Judaism goes, dead on. He's right. Did he learn the truth? He did. I was not disobedient to that heavenly vision. I did what I was supposed to do. 
in Acts chapter 9, verses 20 through 22, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Saul gets busy. When did he get busy? Immediately. Why immediately? That's just the way Paul was. Saul was. That's his nature. That's his character. If something was to be done religiously, he wasn't going to wait for somebody else to do it. He was going to do it himself, wasn't he? Doesn't that what, isn't that what it sounds like? I've got to get busy. And so what did he do? He preached Christ in the synagogues. He's been going to synagogues and dragging these people out and committing them to prison and taking them bound to Jerusalem, whatever. He's caused people to blaspheme. He, they've been killed because of his efforts. And now he's going into those same synagogues in which he would have gone in to pull people out, to drag people out, to bind them and to chain them up. And he's preaching Christ. Immediately. And then he's, he's busy. And so all these people that have, that have heard, like Ananias, have heard about, about Saul, all who heard were amazed. Is this not the one who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for the same reason? Isn't this that guy? So that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? They know who he is. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Jerusalem. How did he confound the Jews? What was, what was it? that he confounded the Jews. You know, when he was disputing with Stephen or the, the Jews were disputing with Stephen in the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, they could not resist the words that he says. They couldn't refute what Stephen was saying. I get that same impression now that he's speaking. He's speaking about Christ instead of against him. And they cannot take down his argument. He's confounding the Jews in Damascus. And he's proving that Jesus is the Christ. Christ is the ruler. Jesus is the anointed one. And he's proving that by his teaching. In Acts chapter 9, verses 23 through 25. Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gate day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. Verse 16. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. He's been there a while now. 
instead of doing what he came to do, he's doing the opposite. Instead of trying to destroy this church, now he's trying to increase it. And so the Jews are thinking, this is not working out. So they tried to kill him. And he found out about it. And so he escaped in Jerusalem. What does it say? They let him down through the wall in a large basket. It sounds like they dug a hole in the wall and they let him out. Or he got through a window or something. And then in verses 26 through 31. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of the Lord, of name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. He goes to Jerusalem, tries to join himself with the disciples there, and we're not having any of this. We know who this man is. And so good old Barnabas. Barnabas says, yeah, he's, he, he's real now. This is the real Saul. And he was commended to them. And so he's going in and out of them, spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the, the Greek Jews. That's a misnomer, isn't it? But they attempted to kill him. Verse 16, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. He's having it hard now. But is he quitting? Has he been turned down? Is he quitting? Doesn't sound like it. Turn to 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11. I wasn't going to read this, but I think I will. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 22 through 33. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city. In perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among the false brethren. In weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirsting and fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. 
In Damascus, the governor under Aretas the king was guarding the city of the, of the Damascenes with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through the wall, through the window, a window in the wall, and escaped from his hands. That's the first time I've seen the window. I just don't ever remember that. Just boom. I just missed it. I go back to Acts 9, verse 16. I'm going to show you how much you've got to suffer for my name's sake. And I read about Paul writing about what he went through. All of this stuff. All the suffering he went through. He is not even about to quit. There is no way I can, he can be intimidated into stop serving God. There's no way. It will not happen. How about us? How are we doing? If we compare ourselves to Saul or Paul, if whatever you want to call him, if we compare ourselves, how are we? How do we stack up? We read everything that I can think of about how much he tried to destroy the church. And then here he is when he learns the truth, how much he did to try to build up what he tried to tear down. That's our job. That's our job as well. To build this church up. Jesus, Christ's church. To build it up, to make it strong, to make it where it only teaches the truth. Are you a member of that body? Have you been baptized like Saul was to, as it says in Acts twenty-two sixteen, 16, wash your sins away? If you haven't, you can't be like Saul. But if you have, and you need the prayers of the faithful saints about some matter, why don't you come while we stand and sing number 278.